Hi, and welcome to the Avenue Code Spotlight Series podcast. Here you'll find inspiring conversations with top executives and technology leaders. If you're listening to us from podcast platforms, be sure to follow us. And if you're watching us from YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Hello and welcome to AC Spotlight Podcast. I am so excited to, to go live today and talk to Teen Shihi. Hi, so good to see you and so good to have you with us. Nice to see you too, Liana. Nice to see you. And I'm excited on several reasons. First, about the topic that we will talk about, Agile Mindset and how it reflects in uh, personal lives, but also your location. Uh, can you share where you where you live and where you came from? That would be great to know. Sure. Um, so I am an American, but I have been living in Portugal for about three and a half years. And we came here in October of 2018, pre-COVID, pre-COVID. Um, we started up north in Braga, Uh, and after about two years or so, decided we wanted to come a little farther south for sunshine, more sunshine. Um, so we now live on the Silver Coast uh, near São Martinho, about an hour north of Lisbon. Wonderful, wonderful. And from um, from your perspective, you know, you um, I would love for people to know about your career path and your current role. And um, what are you working on today? All right. Well, um, so I'm in year 41 of working. So, uh, and all of that time has been in IT. So it's it's been a kind of a, a long a long journey, and not always not always on the upward climb, right? Uh, after after that many years, your career goes up and down every once in a while. Um, I started my life long, long ago as a developer for a very very short period of time. Most of my technical career was. Um, was building data models. Um, and so I was a data analyst, data architect. Um, I moved into leadership roles in about 1996, managing the same groups that I had been a part of. So database people and data architects. Um, moved into another leadership role that expanded to take on actual developers um, and a, a development center in Nashville, Tennessee. That was an absolute blast. Uh, and then the dot-coms crashed. And so, uh, Life changed a lot after that in 2003. Uh, I went back to school and got a master's degree. That was a, a beautiful experience having been out of college for uh, 20 years at that point. Um, so going back and sort of living the college life uh, at Vanderbilt University in Nashville was, was amazing. Um, and then I really went more in towards project management, um, project management and program management, which used a lot of the skills I had previously, but was uh, something I could do on contract uh, and move around a little bit more. Um, so I was operating as a project manager in 2013-14 uh, for a healthcare company when they introduced Agile to the team, uh, went to Scrum Master class and became a Scrum Master overnight. Um, so that was, uh, that was sort of my first induction into Agile, but it was really a um, a philosophy that sat well with me. It was um, a, a leadership style, a servant leadership style that sort of suited the way I, I had been trained to be a, a team leader as well. So it was a good fit. Um, I did actually go back to being a, a rather traditional IT director after that for a while, back to project manager, back to program manager, back to agile coach. And so, like I said, it's kind of a, a round and rocky road that takes you through a lot of different paths, but all of those things add richness and creativity to the tapestry of life, right? So, sure, for sure, absolutely. And today, so, 
control your air talk desk, right? What yeah, today I'm at talk desk. So this is a, an interesting and, and pretty amazing ride um, on one of the, the Portuguese born unicorn companies. Um, so in some ways it feels a bit like, like the days when I was at Sprint PCS before we went, uh, we went from pr private to public there. Um, so sort of this massive growth and intense amount of energy and creativity and just lots and lots of things being built. There it was a more of a network, the wireless network um, in the early days. And here it's uh, call center software. Um, but, uh, but the same kind of energy and the same kind of scale um, so I work for one of the business units in our R&D division, um, which is the call center as a service. Um, I came here to be an agile coach, um, but shortly after that, I was asked to take over leadership of the coaches for this particular business unit. So uh, I have about, now I have five coaches and a data analyst who works for me, um, who helps with our dashboards and metrics. Nice. Wonderful. Yeah. It sounds like you have evolved from hands-on engineering roles to this uh, coaching and uh, mindset opportunities where you can help people see something differently, how they work and improving, automating things. So um, I wanted to ask you, uh, last time we talked, you drew an amazing parallel between agile mindset and uh, teams and how you run agile teams and uh, parallel with a with personal life and how people can live their life using the methodology and being more um, energized in life and maybe optimize their life in a, in a different way. So can you elaborate on that? I'm really curious. Sure, sure. So yeah. when, you, when you really look at what the Agile mindset is about, um, there's a couple of elements to it that, that I really love. Um, one of them has a lot to do with self-organized teams and people's desire for autonomy and controlling some of the decisions of their their life, their team, their work, right? So there's a there's sort of a self-fulfilling, um, self-management autonomy aspect to that. Um, in addition, Agile is really about um, delivering product, in our case, software, but it doesn't have to be, delivering product in small chunks, putting it out there for use, seeing how it's accepted, and then adapting to that change. Um, the things never quite land the way you hope. Um, and so when you watch and see how things are used, you might adapt and change that product um, little by little, small increments. Um, and it's a very collaborative um, methodology. It's intended where it's, it's about individuals and interactions and conversations with customers. Um, so when you take sort of all of those aspects um, and it's obviously it's very non-controlling, right? It's a very, like I said, it's this very sort of collaborative thing that um, listens and adapts to change and it doesn't fight change. It adapts to change because change brings us to something better. And those are all philosophies you can take into your life as well, right? It's, it's very much about uh, trying something small, seeing how it lands, seeing how you like it, adapt to it, um, how it lands in the public, how it lands uh, in even in inside of your relationships, and then adjusting and adapting to that and not being afraid of the change and not being frustrated by constantly having to change. Um, but but taking that as a, a way to always do consistent and continuous improvement. It's a Kaizen approach to life, right? No, that's wonderful. Tim. I, I am trying to 
connect to some of the personal examples or maybe when you moved to, when you decided to move to Portugal, um, how did you increment that? Did you try to go there once and see if you like it? How would you connect and give me some examples of a personal life achievements in small increments and uh, pivoting if something is not, you know, working right? I, I would love to learn from that. Yeah. So in the, in the move to Portugal, um, in some ways, it was a bit of a leap of faith. Um, we came to, to visit Portugal. Uh, I came to an IT conference in May of 2018. I had been here in Portugal 30 years before, but it wasn't even remotely the same. Um, but we came to visit. We liked the culture. We had, we had already checked out some other locations around the world that we might, might want to move to. Um, but this one felt right. It felt good. Um, but I think the, the agile living mindset was we don't have to get it perfect on the first shot. We're going to pick the right, we're going to pick the, a really good location to land in for the first couple of years. But if we don't like it, we can move, which is actually the way it worked out. Right. Um, and, and kind of the same thing with um, my work, even related to moving to Portugal, I came on a job which was um, a contract project management role that where I could work anywhere in the world. My employer, employer contract company knew what was happening, um, didn't have an issue with it. Um, but then in the end, that wasn't a great fit for me. So again, adapting to change, adapting to the circumstances, we change again and we live and learn. The year of COVID was, was sort of the, the most massive yeah. uh, <laughs> exercise <laughs> in agile living. <laughs> it was, um, I, I ended a contract in uh, November of 2019 and COVID hit, first started to hit in January of 2020 and of course in March of 2020. I did a few little contracts, but, um, but I could tell this just wasn't, it wasn't going as well, right? So, okay, so let's adapt, let's change. What can I, what can I do, right? So then I started studying, what does it mean to be a life coach? How do I take agile and apply it to life coaching? Um, uh, what's all of the things I can learn? How do I learn to do podcasts myself? Um, how do I learn to get comfortable on a camera? How do I learn to, um, to even edit videos? I mean, I learned a billion things in 2020 in the year of the first year of COVID. Um, and, and what I found out was even though I, I enjoy life coaching, I enjoy um, career coaching for people, I wasn't quite ready for that to be my full-time life. And so when I had a chance again to go back to a full-time role, um, then I did that with TalkDesk. So again, pivot, adapt, and move on so oh, that's such a perfect example you know like it's it gives you freedom and ease where you don't have to be stuck thinking oh my angle was this and it's not matching you actually right. by day by day and yeah. when it's right now you you take a leap of faith and it's not if it's not working i love that adopt and change what can i learn um and i know a lot of people did that through pandemic learn new things and i know you've been painting right uh, yes, yes. I when we left, uh, when we lived in Phoenix, still I had um, taken some, uh, you know, once a month painting party kind of classes, and actually kind of really enjoyed it. Um, so in the year of COVID, I found the paint store in Braga and 
got myself some paint supplies and started um, learning to paint with uh, YouTube videos. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's just a, it's an exercise in, in adapting, learning, but also sort of finding what new things bring you joy. Right. Yeah. And this is, this was a completely thing, you know, this was like non-technology completely. Right. Um, but, um, but it was a way to sort of push me out of my comfort comfort zone, but also bring me some sort of create creative outlet. So yeah. it's fun. This is great. And, and you mentioned joy and it, you are very joyful. You know, like when we met first time, it feels like you see opportunities. How do you also bring joy to other people and you know you mentioned why deep uh deep joy matters in the workplace and mm -hmm. i really wanted to know how do you really help people to find joy and and find the work-life balance and and be successful and happy at the workplace because a lot of people don't see that you know they separate work and they have find joy in their work and their in their life so can you take and talk about that sure so i think the the book that sort of resonated with me the best was Daniel Pink's book. And so he talks about, um, he doesn't exactly call it joy, um, but he calls it drive, but, uh, but it's really about autonomy and purpose and mastery. So how do you, again, allow people to have some autonomy in controlling their, their time, especially now with COVID and families and kids at home and all sorts of those kind of things that have landed on all of us. Um, so it's about autonomy. It's about mastery and people being allowed to sort of grow who their skills are, both in their depth and in their breadth. Um, and then purpose, letting people figure out how do they sort of align to what their passions are. Uh, so, so I try not using those words exactly, but I, I try to bring that to the, to the team that works for me now. Um, you know, Portugal's not that big of a place. So tomorrow I might work for them, right? <laughs> so so that we're all just sort of working together. Um, but but how do I how do I help them become the best person they can be? And that and that's not just for their their professional life, but also for their personal life, right? Um, how do I give them space to grow? Um, and also space to have their personal life. I mean, in the years of COVID, people had family members who were sick, family members who passed away. Um, and I, I, I prefer to manage with grace or lead with grace um, so that people, people, um, people have the space to be their best selves. And if you give people their space to be their best selves, you know, you, they may not work for the company forever. You can't always control that. Other things happen. But I think they will always have a positive experience and a positive memory. Um, and they will always take a bit of what they learned from this experience onto their next self, their next experience, their next adventure. That's beautiful. And my question is, how do you find and ask them prompting questions like, what are you passionate about? And, and how do you put that in the workplace, how do you give them space to be creative? Like, is there is there you know prompting questions that makes them think creatively, or how do you? Yeah, I think I think the the, the prompting questions are always always there. Um, I I like to have weekly one on ones with each one of them, so we have a little private time to talk about things. Um, I. It, 
you don't often have to encourage people to go out and find their passion. They usually have something that they really like, something that they're they're either really good at or something they really enjoy doing um, in their professional role. Um, and so if you're just there and allowing them to express that and, and you create that safe space, right? Safe spaces are really super important to allow a person to grow. You have to, they can't feel like if they're going to give you an idea, you're going to shoot it down, right? There, it doesn't mean there's not a conversation, right? There's, there's sort of always... They have, in some cases, let's say for a particular process or something, they have an idea and you might say, well, okay, it'll work here, but it won't work here. But, you know, let's debate. We sort of debate the nuances of the process, but it doesn't shoot down their whole, their whole idea that the concept of the idea is good. We just have to sort of work out the details together. So I, I hope it works. I mean, I suppose, I suppose we should ask all of them. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had several people over the years who, who are still friends of mine, still connected on LinkedIn and still have very positive memories of, of working for me 20 years ago. And there is nothing that makes me more proud than to look at the ones who were junior developers in 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and are now CTOs and CEOs and CIOs. I'm just like, that just makes me shine. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. It, it sounds like what you do is you give them space and also you, there's no opportunity to fail with you. It's always debatable. You, uh, you give them opportunity to express themselves and really pivot again as an agile pivot to the right to the right yeah. area where it can still be inspired and inspiring others and and continue create uh, creative work that's great yeah awesome wonderful i i want to talk about women in tech and i know you've been in the career for a while in us which is uh, very rare and hard to find um you know developer engineer uh, female engineer it's 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 getting much better you know it's getting to a new phase which is great but um what advice can you give to um to women that are insecure in their you know careers just starting and they're feeling a little bit um outnumbered sometimes mm -hmm. yeah uh i think um so i was i was really blessed early on in my 20s to have some really strong and smart and great women leaders who led with grace and gave me all of those sort of safe spaces to, to learn and fail. So I would, I suppose I would tell a young woman to, to try to find who that's going to be. It may not be your boss. It might be someone else. Um, so find a safe space where the, where the company that you're in has a culture that allows that. So that's the first tricky part sometimes. Um, and then find the mentor, the person who's going to be your champion, your supporter and help you grow. Um, and then I think it's, uh, you know, as silly as this sounds, I think public speaking skills are part of it. You have to learn how to present your, your message, whatever your message is, it doesn't really even matter. And it doesn't have to be public speaking to a group of 2000 people. Um, but I think you have to learn how to present a message in a way that's that's logical. I think they call it the three pillars of communication now, right? It's the logic, the pathos, and the ethos, right? So it, it has to have passion in it, and it has to uh, be a logical sequence of steps. Um, 
And not everyone learns that in school. So um, if you can't present your message, it's going to be really hard to get ahead. Um, but I think if you can have the safe space, the public speaking skills, and then a mentor who really is your, your champion, I think you can go a long way. This is great. I, I, I wish I had that, um, that advice when I was growing my career. But uh, what resonates with me a lot is um, finding your voice and really mm -hmm. identifying what drives you and uh, be very confident and strong that your voice will develop throughout the career, but actually identifying what you believe in, how to really not give in and change and adapt to something that you don't believe in. You know, there's a lot of women that um, in early days in their career, they want to be like other guys. They want to be less feminine. They want to try to fit in and fitting in sometimes really makes your voice very small. So, um, I think that voice, that public speaking that you were sharing is so important when they can really, truly find the ground that they don't want to be like others. They want yeah. to have that strength. And then every year, you know, the more you, you, you speak, the more you believe in yourself, I think the voice gets stronger. Your identity becomes, you know, more prominent. And uh, it's, it's, it's great to have that as a, as a path and as a learning in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the other half of the message is while you want to find your voice and you want to find your passion, you want to remain open-minded. You want this growth mindset, right? So you, you want your passion, but you don't want to be so um, entrenched and arrogant about that, your position, that you can't learn when someone presents you an alternative or a, hey, but what if this were to happen? You know, I think you still have to be able to adapt, right? Adapt your position um, without losing the passion, right? So. Yeah, adapt and learn. And then the, the agile mindset that you're sharing, yeah. I think also women are more equipped to be adaptable. You know, they're from history of women growing and balancing life and trying to find ways to fight for her career and also have kids and family. I think that being agile is in, is in our DNA and having um, opportunities to actually listen to the world and then adapt and shift and try to automate things as much as we can so we can have other things for ourselves. I think that's also kind of differentiates a woman versus a, a man in, in the environment, but um, I don't know if you agree. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so into thinking about men versus women that way. I just, I just think it's a good way to be. And I think it, it, it really depends how the person is raised. I think it really depends on the culture you live in. Uh, the American culture is super different than the Portuguese culture, maybe also different a bit from the, the Brazilian culture. Um, I think it's, um, so I, I'm, I tend not to label those kind of things as female or male, um, but I think we all have the capacity to, to do it. For sure, for sure. And uh, the last question is, uh, what is happiness to you? And, you know, when you are now in Portugal, you have probably a great career that you're feeling inspired. Um, what is happiness to you? And how do you see yourself uh, growing and evolving um, in your new lifestyle here in Portugal? Yeah. Um, so, so happiness for me, happiness, and the reason I tend to call it this deep joy, is this sort of underlying sustainable 
um, conf- it's confidence, resilience, and hopefulness, right? So it's not happiness based on these external, it's sunny today, it's rainy tomorrow, I'm happy, then I'm sad. Um, it's, it's not that I am, that I don't react to situations around me, but there's sort of this um, underlying core of, of, I will survive, I am resilient, I am confident in, in my skills that I can get up and survive no matter what. Um, and I'm hopeful for the future. I'm sort of a, a more of an optimist than I am a pessimist. Um, so it's, it's an intrinsic kind of, kind of driven version of happiness. Um, not to say that it doesn't take some work, right? There are, there are daily activities that, that a person really should make sure you do to remain in that mode, right? Things like exercise and stress reduction and meditation and, and creative outlets and relationships, right? There's all sorts of scientific studies about how do you retain that level of happiness, but it is possible. Um, and it was really early in the days of COVID that um, I, re- I, I, was, I was too moody. I was too being too impacted by the weather and too impacted then by COVID um, that I sort of recognized I was going to have to find a different way that I sort of went on my own quest for what is this happiness thing and how can I be more in control of, of staying in this basic core. As that relates to Portugal, um, I suppose that was partly what drove the move from Braga down to the Silver Coast. Um, as much as I didn't want to be moody about the weather, there was a lot of rain in Braga. <laughs> and once I came and I saw the Western Ocean, I never lived in the ocean in the US, right? I never lived by the ocean. Once I, once I figured out that I could see sunsets every day, it was like a, a magical inspiration for me. So, so my favorite Friday nights are going to see the sunset at the ocean. And that is that just creates this well of endorphins in me, which is part of what, what makes me happy. So, um, and then where am I headed? Um, well, after 41 years, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a non-corporate life. Um, so somewhere in a couple of years, uh, I, I hope to be able to retire and work on some other projects, right? I'm not, I'm not going to sit in a chair and I'm, and as my husband says, I'm not going to eat bonbons. Um, but, but I would like to have some other projects to work on. So nothing as a full-time nine to six kind of a job, but, but some other things, some other passions. Amazing. Amazing team. And, uh, I, I can't let you go because I, you know, you've said so many things about how to bring the happiness. You gave a few tools, but if you have to give one, one advice, one tool that people can use every day, you know, if it's either meditation or whatever thing you think that would be more versatile that people can try, you know, they don't have time, but one thing they can do every day to make them a little bit happier. What would that be? I can't do one. Can I give you three? <laughs> sure. <laughs> So I think a very short segment of meditation, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? That's the moment when you can sort of bring your heart rate down and, and just unfocus, untie, untether from the world, right? And then I think uh, this mindfulness, gratitude, how can you find a thing to be grat- grateful about every day, right? Expressing gratitude. Um, and the third is a bit of exercise, 
If you sit in a chair all day and you cannot get your heart pumping a little bit, it, it could be, I have a new guy on YouTube I'm following who does um, step dancing to the eighties and he's in Dubai and it's just music and it's just walking, but it makes me happy. Right. So I think if you can get those three things, you, you have the elements of, of the mindful happiness um, and you're pretty likely to stay okay. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. And I think I'm going to focus on gratitude and uh, do my little exercise. And uh, maybe before bed with kids, we'll do a little meditation. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you, Eliana. Thank you so much. Great having you. See you in the next episode of the Avenue Code Spotlight Series podcast. Be sure to check out the intervals from the same series on our blog at avenuecode.com. See you next time. And thank you.